As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Dr. Peter Howard, and Peter is married to Chantel Howard, and they have six beautiful children. As you can imagine, they're very Catholic for all my Protestant listeners out there. Anytime you cross four kids, it's like, are you Catholic? Like, it's just the default. I was told today, because our third baby is on the way in two, uh, three weeks, um, oh, you're about to be, about to hit Catholic status. I didn't know that was a thing, but now I know. Dr. Howard earned his doctorate in sacred theology from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas uh, in Rome, Italy. He is the founder and president of the Fulton Sheen Institute and the Fulton Sheen Movement. That's what he's here to speak to us about today. If you have never heard of Fulton J. Sheen, you are in for a treat, my, my friends. Uh, this man was a powerhouse. I remember growing up, uh, it was one of the one pieces of content that we were allowed to watch on TV as little kids in my ha- my home. And uh, I just was so enamored by the speaking style of this man. He just captured me. And I was a little boy and he was talking about God's truth and love and compassion and forgiveness and mercy. But then at the same, in the next breath, he was calling us out on like how to be better and you know, how to stop sinning and all the things you don't want to hear, right? And uh, I was just I was blown away by this. So I'm looking to learn from Dr. Peter today. Uh, I hope you are you have your pen and paper out, BC Nation. Peter is a renowned international Catholic speaker, scholar of Venerable Fulton J. Sheen, author, professor, theologian, Mariologist, Catholic entrepreneur, Catholic life coach, and founder of Heroic Families. Peter has spoken at national diocesan and family conferences in the United States and Philippines, the United States Air Force Academy, and has been featured on numerous Catholic radio and television networks. If you are not Catholic and you are listening right now, don't be so turned off by that word. It just means universal. We're all one family. Remember, we're little kids in God's house. Stop fighting over who daddy loves more. It's not what he wants. 
Okay, we're all one family. We're clear now. Dr. Peter, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Uh, go ahead and just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Very well. That was a good intro. And first off, that's uh, first, thank you, uh, Joseph, for having me on. This is uh, something I've been looking forward to. Um, you pretty much covered it. I mean, the, the big thing for me is my family life is everything to me. Um, and, uh, you know, we've all had our story. And uh, one of the biggest pivot points in my story was the, the man that you mentioned, Fulton Sheen. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about him, so I don't want to get too winded. Um, but I, I think that the key thing is he is a man whose time has come and it's an honor to be on your program to help others to see why, uh, bringing him into the forefront is going to have such an impact on, I think many individuals, but on our culture at large. All right, let's do it. Before we do though, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life or ministry life actually know. Wow, I knew these quite tough questions were going to come. Something that they don't really know. Um... <laughs> Why this popped into my head, I don't even know, and I don't even know how relevant it is. <laughs> but um, when I was in college, I slipped into a concert Um with my uh, I was with my brother, I was under the age. I was in New Jersey at the Stone Pony where Bruce Springsteen would always sing. Um, and I couldn't get in because I was too young. And then I hung around the band's bus. It was some British band. And I walked in on stage with them. And I before the bouncers could get me, I, I slipped into the crowd and uh, and then had a great night. I don't know why that popped into my mind, but that's like something hardly anybody knows. <laughs> Well, for whatever reason, you were prompted to share that. That's a fun little detail right there. Okay. Yeah, the the, the non-theological thing right now of this time is is I think that's that's it for the for our session is something like that. All right, so we went with a, a nice softball there before we get into the hard stuff here. You know, we're talking about Fulton J. Sheen today, and uh, first off, um, give us a very simplistic introduction to this man, to the era that he lived in. Uh, to what was going on, and to what God called him to do, and how did he do with it? Yes, well, he was born in 1895 in a, in a little uh, remote area of Illinois, El Paso, which is just north of Peoria, Illinois. And so, you know, 1895 is the turn of the century, and uh, he was definitely, as we look back, a man that God put right in our path to be what I think is one of the greatest prophets for our era. Um, from his youngest uh, days, he learned what he called the 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 ethic of hard work. He hated farming, but he did it anyway. But he, you know, he that actually instilled in him practices that would then translate into his later life when he would be completely, uh, you know, one hundred and ten percent involved in speaking, evangelizing, and teaching, and tirelessly working for the salvation of souls. Um, from his youngest days, he felt called to the priesthood. And uh, his bishop, when he was in Peoria, had a prophecy one day after a very embarrassing moment. He he dropped, while he was serving mass, he dropped the glass cruets on a marble floor. And he said, there's, there's no decibel sound as loud as that, as glass cruets hitting a marble floor. 
the bishop didn't chew him up, which he was really kind of nervous about that. After mass, he pulled him aside and he said, Fulton, have you ever heard of the University of Louvain? And he said, no. He said, well, one day you're going to go there and then you're going to be just like me, a bishop. And so, wow, he, he actually forgot about those words until many years later. Um, he did go through his, in his younger years. He, he had a passion for the priesthood. He was kind of locked and loaded on that. And um, he's had some powerful stories of how he made that decision, God entering into his life to confirm that big acts of faith. But then when, after he was ordained in 1919, um, he eventually went to Louvain in Belgium. He went to this new institute called the Institute of Philosophy, the first of its kind in the world. And he became the first American to win the highest honor. Um, and that it was like a super doctorate degree. He already had a doctorate in philosophy, but he went, he took this test and he passed it with the highest of distinction. And he was uh, set for, you know, a, a, you could say a stellar career, but he was tested right after that. He had all these offers from universities all over Europe and America. He asked his bishop which one he should take. And his bishop said, come home, a two-word telegram. Came home, his obedience was tested for one year in the poorest of the poor parishes. And his bishop said, I just wanted to test you. You were obedient, go run along now. That and that ended up in, in uh, Fulton Sheen speaking in New York City. He had a Catholic uh, Hour TV show um, that had millions of listeners that was broadcast on NBC. And um, and then later on, and then that was in the 1930s, the 1950s, he was invited to do a TV show that they thought was doomed for failure, but they needed to fill the slot. So they put this man, who at this time had just become a bishop, and he, um, for about eight years, he had a show called Life is Worth Living that captivated all audiences, um, and uh, which is interesting because 60% of his audience was non-Catholic. And that's really where his fame, his international fame came from. Those uh, TV shows, um, which was all, really a, a consolidation of uh, the Christian philosophy of life as the answer to all of our problems. And um, so he, he did that for eight years. And then afterward, he uh, went to the Second Vatican Council. He had a big act of betrayal in the midst of all this. And we won't get into that right now. Um, but that changed his life. He went to the Second Vatican Council, was bishop in New York a little bit um, after that, and then spent his last years really giving retreats around the country he uh, to priests, seminarians. But he was also so well known that he gave lots of retreats to Hollywood people. Um, he had he converted some of the most toughest uh, souls that were out there, had communists in, um, in America. He was the number one anti-communist person that was under observation by Moscow. Um, and he was one of, because he was the most vocal opponent of it. And he has left us a legacy of wisdom that not only guided his times, but for today is uh, is something that the more who discover him, they're finding the answers to the crises that we face and given a whole new hope. Um, really, like, like his show was titled, To Live a Life That's Worth Living. Mm. Thank you for that summary. You know, to be called by God into the mission field, right? The harvest is great, right? Uh, but there's so few laborers. And he was a man that just 
entered in, was gifted academically, um, but also gifted with the spoken word. Like this man was a master communicator, master communicator. And did he ever have theater in his uh, past life? Because I remember watching the show and all his movements were very theatrical, even more the cape, you know, the bishop's cape. And he would fling that thing like he was like Phantom of the Opera. You know, he would finish like with this grand finale, every one of his shows. Where did he get that, that training? Just curious on that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, he didn't really have any theatrical training. Um, where he learned to speak so well was when he was in his uh, minor seminary days. Um, and he, a priest that was there, Father Bergen, who became his, his dear friend and spiritual director, and really one of the most pivotal people in, in his entire life. On the very first time, Fulton Sheen went to his debate club, and he gave his case, and he thought he did great. He was told by this priest, you are the worst speaker I've ever heard. And that triggered him um, because he didn't tell him why. And so Fulton Sheen was, was you know, praying and kind of and, and figuring out, thinking about it all the time. Like, what was he, what does he mean by that? And eventually he said the light came to him. He came pounding on Father Bergen's door one day and he says, I figured it out. And he said, What is it? He says, I have to be myself. I have to be natural. And he said, that's it. Now, who would have known that Sheen's natural, <laughs> his natural personality would be so theatrical as it was? That That's the natural Sheen um, that he then, you could say, I, and, and as you observed, he perfected it. Everything was choreographed in what he did. Um, everything was memorized. He spent 30 hours preparing for every 30-minute tele, um, telecast. He wrote it out. Uh, in two different languages after he had his script. So it would force him to reduce his language in a, um, in a way that like a, an eighth or 10th grader could understand it. He would then give it to somebody who spoke French, somebody who spoke Italian and say, what do you think? Can you understand what I'm saying? And they would make corrections and then he'd memorize his final script. And that's what you saw on his 30 minute show every week was that presentation, which as we know from so many even if you disagreed with Shane at the end, you could never say you could not understand him. And so everything else is flair. And, you know, especially during those times in the 1950s, that really captivated people. It's might be harder to do that today. But as I, I also stand somewhat corrected, because as the younger people are rediscovering him, they love it. They love it because they want something that's authentic, somebody that's real. And they can see, even though it's theatrical, like this guy is for real. Mm -hmm. Like he is theater in motion. Exactly. You know? uh, he spoke with such simple truth. Like the truth he spoke was God's truth is absolute truth. And he communicated with such simplicity, like you said, where a seventh or eighth grader could understand it. And also the way he spoke it, whether you agreed with it or disagreed with it, depending on your denomination, your faith uh, origin, uh, people like they sat through it, captivated and didn't take offense but actually learned and, and grew from it, I think. 
And like some of his biggest fans were non-Catholics. And like you said, 60% of his audience was non-Catholic. So what a gift, what a gift. I think of um, Acts of the Apostle, Acts of the Apostles, right? Upper room, Holy Spirit comes on top of them, right? Tongues of fire, boom, they're given the, the gifts of the Spirit and they just go from fear to boldness and walk out and start speaking in all the native languages to all the different dialects of, of population that was that was there at that time. And it's it's like Bishop Sheen had that ability, not speaking in tongues, but I don't know what to call it, but speaking in such a way where you could speak across denominations, you could speak across uh, cultures, you could speak across um generations young people middle-aged old people all resonated what do you attribute that to i mean because that seems rather impossible like if we met someone today who could do that probably would be the most famous person on the planet i would estimate yeah that's another great question uh two secrets to sheen's success in reaching people one he would say is much more important than the other the first one, though, was what you mentioned. He was very, he was a very intellectual and gifted, very intellectual person. Um, and he, his, he would say his best friends were his books. Um, but he, I consider him like a modern day kind of a Saint Thomas Aquinas, and that Saint Thomas Aquinas commented on all of theology and all of the questions that people had, philosophy and theology. But she knew all of Aquinas, and he applied it to the modern world. So he said he would read anything and everything that would be applicable to be able to converse with somebody. So if he referred to something in mechanics, he actually like read and studied mechanics um, versus most of us, we would say, well, I read that chapter in something. You know, if he's going to talk about communism, he would he would read every single thing that Marx ever said or wrote, and he knew communism better than the communists. So he could always converse with people um, and that was one of his big gifts. The second thing, though, was on a spiritual side, and that is um, the day of his ordination, he made a promise to God that he would make a daily holy hour, as he called it, before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Eucharist. And he never broke that promise for 60 years. And, he, and I've listened to many of his uh, audios on this, where he was very bold and he said, just like you were saying, he's like, I can speak to an audience and hold them in the palm of my hand. When I speak, they listen to me. Why? And he said, it's because of this one practice, 60 years of a daily holy hour in front of our Lord. Why? Because that is where the power came from. He said, I can say the same thing as you, but I have power, just like St. Paul would say. You know, not a power that came from himself, but from God. And it was very effective. And that's, that alone is what changed my own life when I first met, you can say, Fulton Sheen in a retreat that I listened to. I listened to zillions of things, listened to uh, some of the best professors in the world. I put this little cassette tape on, for our listeners remember cassette tapes um, of a retreat. I put it on and I was like, I've heard of this guy. I'll give him five minutes and, you know, on my three hour drive, it took less than that. I was captivated and I, I was just 
like the the people in the gospel when they heard Jesus, who's this man who speaks with such power and authority? And that I got hooked. And that power comes from his practice of spending an hour a day, an hour which he asked even non-Catholics. Um, he said Protestants and Jews should make an hour as well before, before God in the scriptures. It could be in their room. But he said that's the secret to reaching people because you could have the right words and the right knowledge. But if you don't have the power behind it, it could just rest on dead on deaf ears. I believe he used to refer to this 60 minutes in silence with God as uh, the power hour or the hour of power, I think he called it, uh, and or the classroom of silence, the classroom of silence, if I got that correct. And that same uh, spiritual practice and habit was the turnaround in my own life where all the healing from my childhood trauma um, and all my bad decisions of my life and all the consequences that came through them, all of that God healed in those 60 minutes every single morning with him. And I committed to two weeks to spend that time with God and God multiplied my little fish and loaves, my two weeks into eight months an hour a day, every day consecutively for eight months and uh, healed all these areas that the world couldn't heal, I couldn't heal. And it was from there that the fruit in my own life has come forth. So you're speaking to the choir right now uh, with the hour of power, the classroom of silence, you know, but as men, specifically as men or mankind, we fear silence. We fear solitude. Why do you think that is? Why do we avoid it at all costs and constantly consume noise and distraction? Because that little quiet voice is so powerful and may say something that's going to force us to make a decision that will change our life. And we're very afraid to change our lives, even though we know in the, in our heart of hearts, we need to, you're talking about how the hour helped with your healing. Um, I can't tell you how much, uh, similarly for myself, how that's where I found my peace. But even, even though that peace might not come until the last five minutes. So it's, it's very important people realize, and even Sheen said, look, it's not an easy hour. He says, most times you won't want to make it. But when you go there, you do, he says, just like you were saying, Joseph, it was, you go there to train your eyes and your ears. He would say your eyes, because you, you focus on Jesus and the blessed sacrament. And it's only by your eyes of faith that fortify for you. Yes, he really is there. I know by faith. He says, once you do that, then you're ready to see Christ and every single person that you meet. He says, that's the preparation for going out into the world. But he says, you also go to train your ears. As it says in the Old Testament, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We often want to go in and say, you know, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. And we have an insecurity. And I, I wrestle with that every time I go to prayer. And it takes that hour to really bring that orientation. And sometimes it is just to reach that state of silence. And it's okay. And hear from the Lord, Peter, I really do. I love you. 
I've listened to all your ranting. I've listened to you've you've reframed your petition 57 times. <laughs> I love you. I hear you. And that's enough because in the end, you it's all about that relationship with Jesus. And and some of the most intimate moments you have in any relationship is when you have that silence. There's something about that moment. When, when you're married, you have those moments. And when you're with somebody you love, you you cherish those moments. And so the silence, yes, is uh it's it's a passionate but difficult silence. <laughs> it really is. BC Nation, I want to speak to you for a moment. What if all the problems in your life God wants to take away? There'll be more. But what if the current ones you're dealing with, God wants to give you new possibilities to those problems? What if all the pain and suffering from your past, the guilt and the shame, God wants to set you free from right now? But to do so, you have to come and sit with them in silence. In other words, you have to show up at the doctor's office, which is scary. You got to block out the time, the calendar. You got to get in the car. You got to drive, right? You got to go through all those motions to even arrive at the office. And then you get to go in to the ultimate surgeon of the universe, the ultimate heart surgeon, and have him tend to you. Knowing that you're guaranteed to be healed if you just spend time with him, because that's his promise to us, right? Spend time with me. Could you not spend one hour? He said to the apostles in Gethsemane, right? And it's like, just sit with him. And he said, abide with me, right? And I and the father are one and we will come to you and be with you and you will be with us. Like this is what the, 60 minutes of silences. So like, think about that. If you're dying of cancer, BC nation, or some other terminal disease, and the best surgeon in the world that specializes in that type of cancer or illness agrees to not only meet with you, but operate on you. And they have a 100% success record of complete healing. Would you avoid them? Would you say I'm too busy? And they agreed to do it for free. What? Like this is what Jesus offers. But we take him for granted because it's free. So we don't value it. It's so interesting. Peter, what shows up for you in any of that rant I just went off on? Well, as you were talking, I just had an image of in my mind of, you know, I'm a father of six, as you mentioned in the beginning, <clears throat> and I have something for just little tiny ones, the youngest of ages, which is funny. My wife always says, you're just you're kind of an intense person. People don't see this other side of you. But my favorite time is when my children, the littlest ones, will just come up and they'll use the word, you know, nuggle, papa, nuggle, mm-hmm. for snuggle. And and she'll just rest in kind of the the, the crotch of, of like my arm area where my you know where I'm bending the right there and it's like that moment is the most special and intimate and speaks to both my child and myself more than even when we're playing mm-hmm. that complete surrender and trust that's there 
it's very moving because I think of Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. And that's our purpose as we go through life is to become a child. And that trust is, I think, the most paramount characteristic of a child is they, they unconditionally trust their mother, their father, those close to them, their siblings. And that's what hit me as you're talking, you know, uh, to this, this one individual of, you know, it's Jesus is simply asking, will you trust me? You, you've just laid out all the credentials that our Lord always brings <clears throat> to any problem. And will you trust me? And that's always the question that for me is more is the most important of anything. And in any change in our life too, is will you trust me to take that next step? So good. Yeah. What a great, uh, just image you created there, right? And my babies, they do that, right? Right there in the, my left arm is my little boy. He just goes right there in the crux of my elbow, like you said. And uh, it's just that, that piece of daddy's got me. And even my daughter, you know, that was her, her thing. Daddy got me. Daddy's got me. Daddy got me. And this is what God wants from us is to be so peaceful and surrendered with him that we could go through any storm in our life, look up and say, daddy's got me, daddy's got me, right? It's such a just beautiful, beautiful imagery. And BC Nation, you know, sometimes maybe you were like me or you are, um, and you don't trust God, but you just haven't admitted it to him yet. Like Jesus, I love you, but I do not trust you. I don't trust you with my finances. I don't trust you with my business. I don't trust you with my future. I don't trust you with my problems. I think you're going to let me down because of X, Y, Z that happened in the past, right? This person hurt me. This person betrayed me, et cetera, right? And we blame all our, our, our misery on God for some reason, <laughs> even though he's the one that could take it all. But like, so say you're at that place and you just, you don't have real trust in him. Well, first admit that and then go tell him that. That's how I showed up that first hour with him was like, I don't want to be here. I'm committing to be here because I lost a deal to you. Darn it. And I'm a man of my word. (laughs) So I'm here. If you want to talk, let me know. Right. But like eventually by spending that hour a day, every day, you know, I got real with him and I just said, I love you, but I don't trust you. And it was in that, that the healing began was when I finally admitted what was actually happening. But here's the thing, because Peter's right. Like, it's all about trust. But see, trust is built over time. You need to spend time with God in silence for your trust to increase in him. And when you sit with him every day and he tells you a little bit more about you or your past or why you went through this or that or whatever or how much he loves you and how amazing you are to him and the plan he has for your life, well, guess what? You start to trust him a little more and a little more. And before you know it. So this is how, I think, Peter, uh, we grow to be childlike with that childlike faith. We have to spend time with God in order to increase our trust and show up like a child in the crux of his arm, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I always find it very interesting that the very first uh, saint that was canonized for the third millennium in 2000 was St. Maria Faustina, the Polish nun, the mystic, who Jesus told to paint a certain image 
of him with the red and white rays emanating from his heart and his hand in blessing. And he and he said, he commanded her, said, at the underneath this image, this is the only time I think we've ever been, we've had in history where Jesus says, I want you to write something with an image. He says, write the words, Jesus, I trust in you. <clears throat> this is the heart of everything in society. Because either we trust God or we will substitute it with something less and always be disappointed. Today, what are we told to trust? Trust the science. <laughs> well, that's changing every day. And is, you know, we weren't, we're not even going to go there. But the point, though, is, I mean, that's really what Lucifer said, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You don't need God. Trust me. Here's the tree of science right here. But trust, from the very beginning, Adam and Eve is all about trust. And we will find access to, to life. We will always find life with Christ. And so, yeah, it's very simple. Not easy, but it is simple. But one thing that helps me is to not think about myself, is to, when I go in, is, Lord, I want to focus on how you have shown me you are trustworthy. By the time I really start going, you know, 10% into that, I'm like already weeping. I'm like, all right, because I'm, <laughs> I'm contrasting myself. And I'm like, whoa, okay, Lord, you're right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we went off down this valley of the hour of power because as Peter brought to our attention, BC Nation, this was the source of power and authority for Fulton J. Sheen, who I believe was the most prolific preacher in the past 50 years. Well, I don't know if it's 50 years. Don't, don't quote me on the math, but maybe it's 70 years. I don't know. Right? But the most prolific preacher. Now, we've had Mother Teresa. We've had Mother Angelica that were also incredible communicators. But Fulton Sheen has had this way of, as you said, prophet, right? Messenger of God, right? Prophet. But he also could speak into the future and see things that were coming that were way ahead of his time. Now, mm -hmm. if you could, Peter, um, tell us about some things that maybe were predicted through his communication uh, back then that we've already experienced or we're walking into right now and don't even know it? Well, from a spiritual point of view, he did predict in his own autobiography, Treasure in Clay, which I recommend everybody get their hands on. He did say that the, the next wave of evangelization of the world was not going to be in any kind of direct communication of doctrine or dogma um, or even what he did on television. He said the next wave that was going to be for the future is going to be what he called an anthropological approach, reaching humanity where they are wounded. Yes. He saw he saw the philosophical underpinnings that were in, back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s um, of what the world was embracing, and he knew how much that was going to destroy the human uh, person. And so he said we're only going to be able to reach people with the gospel first by reaching them where they're wounded. And then they'll be open when they find that there's a merciful savior waiting for them. Um, the other, th as far as uh, cultural things, though, he predicted 
the uh, the rise and really the consumption of the West into communism. Um, this was back in the 1940s before World War II was even done. Like he was ta talking about whether or not the United States should even get into World War II. And he says, we have, we have philosophies that are at war. And war is always a distraction from the revolution. And he says, and if we don't win the revolution, the thoughts that we have, the ideologies and philosophies that underpin everything, we will just have worse wars coming. And eventually, he said, communism, which took root in Russia because it had the culture that was ripe for it, it had passion, it had fire. He said, eventually, it will, when, when the West erodes in its morals, he says, communism will come like a vulture, ready to a decaying civilization. And that's exactly what we have today. And at the heart of communism, because many people don't understand it, is really this, is the complete stripping of man, humanity, of their dignity by denying the human soul as, as really having a place in any of it, or even the existence of it. And so um, in replace of that was, okay, well, then we're not made in God's image. So communism goes much further than some political and economic thing. It has to do with really removing God from the soul of the individual, removing God from the family, and then eventually, then you take over all of culture, the collapse of the family, like John Paul II says, as the family goes, so goes the nation and the world in which we live. Sheen was saying this in the 1940s. So, you know, he, he gives lots of remedies as well. But those were two major prophetic things that go hand in hand that I think uh, today we would benefit greatly going to, to to listen to what what did he have to say about these things because he was way behind or way beyond time you can say and ahead of his times you know it's so true um what do you take away from uh bishop sheen and your study and research of him and the tr the message of truth that he has shared with the world while he was alive what have you taken into your own life that has really shaped you most other than the power hour the hour of power good question that was the first thing i was going to say because that was the key um i think it is well gosh he he is he has impacted me in so many different ways even as you mentioned in your introduction in a sort of a entrepreneurial way as well um He's a constant voice of challenge to me to lay it out all on the line for the Lord and to, like he says in his, uh, he has a, one of his best books is Way to Happiness. And he says, it all begins with happiness first lies with the, um, the uh, fulfilling the, pur the purpose of your being. And purpose is a big word today. It's big in the in entrepreneurial world, coaching world, but it is fundamental. And I found that he brings this human formation to what he says. He's very practical. And that's probably what I'm getting at. He's extremely practical in his teaching. It has to apply. And that is what I take from Sheen um, because the intellectual it just doesn't do it. It's your will. And one of the things he says is like, you can be a saint if you will it, 
Now, people might say that's that's heresy. No, what he means is you still have to choose it. God's not going to be a dictator and make you a saint. So, anyway, he Sheen is he was he embodied this in what he did. He aimed high in everything that he did. Um, he was locked in on his purpose. And for me, um, I just find somebody, he's one I can lean on for anything. And he's just commented on everything that we have questions about. So he's done the heavy lifting for me and for billions of others. That's a good way to say it, right? Sometimes there's people in our lives that uh, have removed a lot of the trial and error um, from the experience if we so choose uh, to go and learn from them, right? We don't have to go through it ourselves. I think of like Napoleon Hill and his, uh, I think, 17 mm -hmm. Laws of Success, right? He studied the richest men this country has ever produced. He was friends with them and he created the science of success around it and said, here are the 17 principles for all success as a human being, <laughs> like monetary success, right? All of it. It's like, why would you go and try to figure that out through trial and error now <laughs> when you have Henry Ford, the Rockefellers, right? All Dale Carnegie, all these guys that achieve billions. And like you're here struggling as a new entrepreneur and go, no, I think I know the best way. I think I'm going to do it. I, this is it. Like this is how we go through life sometimes. And we forget our past, our histories, you know, as a country, as a nation. Uh, we forget the stronger men and women that have gone on before us. And we miss like learning and benefiting from their life of trial and error. And it's almost like, no, I want to do it myself. It's this constant need for self-reliance, self-reliance. And it's such a crux of all the problems, right? Going back to the garden, right? You could be like gods, mm -hmm. like self-reliance, not God-reliance, self-reliance. This is the lie. And I think it's, uh, you know, this is the, the greatest attack on trust in God is self-reliance. Now, I'm not saying that's not good. It can be good if God's at the top, right? But if you put yourself on the throne, people, come on. I used to do it. I'm an expert at it, so I could speak from that. What do you think about this? You know, as you were just saying those words, I, I thought of um, somebody we both know. Um, Dr. Scott Hahn, and um, and he talks about th this exact thing. And this is so important for no matter where you are in life, especially though if you are kind of an entrepreneur, but um, where the human formation element is really paramount. You know, you have to form yourself. You've got to, there is an emphasis there. And that's good. You need to learn how to love yourself because it says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. But like you were saying, Joseph too, that's always been the, not just the lies, it's the constant temptation is to make yourself the God. And, doc, and, and Dr. Han says, here's, here's the thing, this, this always makes the devil happy, is that when we replace the good for the best, he says, when, you, when, you have, when, when the best is out there, he's happy if you settle for just the good. But he says, and when you do that, when you settle for the good at the expense of the, of the, of the best, you make the good the enemy of the best, and eventually they will become at enmity with each other. And that's such a good thing because that's how the temptations work. It's always in the name of some good, and then it becomes disordered. 
And you see this really big, I think, in the entrepreneurial world because they're trying to master these things. And I think this is where the Christian message, the Christian philosophy of life needs to permeate that. And Sheen, I believe, is a great guide. He's a general at the same time. He knows the enemy and he he can guide us through that wisdom very simplistically. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, just a simplistic way of, of seeing it all is when we settle for the good or when we trade the good for the best, we end up with the worst. Exactly. Trade there you the go. Good for the best. We end up with the worst. Isn't that true in our lives? Like, think about that. When you chose your best rather than God's best, which was good, your best, you ended up like with a life out of control and unworkability in all these different areas. Like you ended up with the worst. Why? Because the enemy lied to you. <laughs> he had false promises. He said you were enough, but you're not. Jesus said your strength's insufficient. I'm what you need, right? Like that's that's the message. That's the best though. So thanks for that. All right. What have we not discussed about this incredible, prolific preacher, Fulton J. Sheen, that you really want to convey to our audience today while you have them. Pregnant pause. Well, there's one of his uh, quotes is, uh, is my favorite where he says, this is the choice before us. Either try to revolutionize the world and break under it, or revolutionize ourselves and remake the world. And I think that that's where we're at. Uh, we can't sugarcoat things. Fulton Sheen never did. Um, and uh, this work that everything that to understand him, it was all about how do we remake the individual? Because he says every problem that's in the world doesn't, for, uh, all of them, each one of them, first begin within the heart of men. That's right. And so I would, you know, he's written 66 books that cover everything from the life of Christ to all the intellectual diseases that we face today to the way to happiness. Um, I mean, he's a man where you could just pick up anything and you will find yourself with a spiritual director, a life coach, um, an accountability person, you could say, and, and I think that, uh, you know, in the end, if we want to imitate somebody who had his kind of success, we need to imitate, like you said, Joseph, what did he do? That holy hour was critical. And, um, and that's really what I am trying to communicate to others through, as you mentioned in the beginning, this movement for Fulton Sheen, for his beatification, making a de declaration that he's blessed because that will become a magnet to draw the world back to him. Once they find him, it's like John the Baptist, you've done your job, you know, he let him increase and I'll decrease. I've done my job. So um, I, I, I think that no matter where you are in life, and especially marriage, if you're having marriage problems, I highly recommend you get his work called Three, Three to Get Married. It could just be rewritten or retitled now, Three to Stay Married. And uh, he, you, you can see his prophetic work on how um, uh, how marriage has, has been 
so disfigured since he's written that book to today and to see how he just like, like a handbook just guides you and how to put the pieces back together. So it might be a good place to start for people next to his autobiography. Well, that's a good recommendation for all our married couples out there. Three to get married, right? So you, your spouse and God, not you, your spouse and your ego. Just putting that out there for everyone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Exactly. You know, um, for our Protestant brothers and sisters that are listening right, th- mm-hmm. right now, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to get stuck on the word saint. Like what is it with you Catholics and your saints? Yeah. Like, seriously, that's idolatry. You're worshiping people. Like, you know, God is very clear, right? And, uh, he's a jealous God. And what is all this? And, you know, I, I think just a simple way, and, and Peter, I want you to answer that, um, but I'll just kind of start us. A simple way to look at it is, you know, these saints are are holy men and women that have lived before you and I that are beacons of light, beacons of light pointing to God. And they show us the way through the darkness because they successfully came through it. They lived it. And they did it well. They had a life worth living. They lived God's purpose and calling. And it's a path, their paths of success, their beacons, lighthouses along the way on the journey to heaven. And God allows this for all of us. So think you're walking through the darkness, you're trying to get to heaven, and there's a, finally a light, Saint so and so. And you and you model them. And it's all about modeling the masters. So in the secular world, right, entrepreneurial space, you hear a master class, you know, you get a master class with this successful billionaire, a master class with Oprah Winfrey, and we're totally cool with that. Like, that's not idolatry. And we want to model their success, right? But then when it comes to holy men and women who tend to have much more humility than some of these others, we're like, oh, no, no, I can't model them. That would be idolatry. Kind of uh, take us through that uh, distinction and uh, really quickly, just kind of like help us to understand why is it so important, this beatification that you're, you're, uh, mm-hmm. you know, progressing here and, and creating this movement for Fulton Sheen. But overall, generally speaking, why are we meant to model the masters, the holy men and women that have gone before us? Well, I mean, St. Paul says it himself at one point. He says, look, imitate me. People don't have a problem with that you know, when they're reading the scriptures. Because why? Because he imitated Christ so perfectly. He, he put his back to the lash if he needed to. Everything was for his love to bring people to Christ. And saints, I mean, Jesus says, be perfect, you know, be holy. And well, in other words, that, that's a, the word saint just comes from a Latin word, sanctus, which means holy. So Christ is saying, be a saint. Uh, so there has to be a, a way to become one, and they have to actually exist. So, And there are no non-saints in heaven. There's only holy men and women up there. Um, so like, I think you explained it really well, Joseph, as far as the, the modeling that is out there. There are no two saints that are the same. So you are called, Joseph, you know, we have, um, Joseph is called to be a, a saint that is unique to him, as, as am I. But all saints share certain things in common, and that's the imitation of Christ. And so, um, you know, St. Paul says, I, I have run the race, I, I, I've finished it. I've crossed the finish line. 
And they are the ones that remind us too that it can be crossed. And they're also there rooting for us all along the way. And the other part, maybe the final part is this, God is all about family. You can't understand God unless you understand family. Even God's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's like saying God is love. There's a lover, there's a beloved, and there's love. So, And then there's family. And the saints are family to show us, look, God can take anything and make it a saint if you will just surrender yourself and follow Christ and let God do the molding, like the like the potter and the clay. He And that was Fulton Sheen's autobiography title, Treasure in Clay. Let God do the remolding. And he's done it, who knows how many, I'm hoping billions of times. I mean, I don't know, but he did say the, the, the path is narrow. But the saints, they're, they're our brothers and sisters that encourage us. We model ourselves after them. And I think in the end, they inspire us because of their story. What reaches people today and changes their lives is what's your story? You want to be in, you want to have a, a life-changing moment, just read the saints. How many of these saints actually went to read a life, the lives of saints, and said, Oh my gosh, everything I thought was great in this world is like straw compared to what they loved. And so, you know. That's that's what the church is basically uh, saying all throughout history is that they are there and they're there for a reason. What does God want to reveal to us through these individuals for our times? And someday, at some point, the question is going to be, what did God want to reveal to you as a Saint Joseph, a Saint Peter, Saint Jonathan, whatever, whatever your name is, what did you reveal about him to the world? Because saints always leave an indelible mark that passes every era of time. I agree with that. Ripples through eternity, right? Each one of their lives. You know, and when PC Nation, we look at, uh, again, successful entrepreneurs, successful, you know, actors, Hollywood, whatever, celebrities. And there's something about them that enamors you and, and you want to be like them in some way, right? And, and you want to model them. And that's good if they're good, right? And they're, the way they're living is good, right? So that's like good, right? And that's the temptation. The enemy says, oh, be like these people. Watch their shows. Wear what they wear, buy what they buy, do what they do, be like them. It's good. And he wants you to settle there. And then God offers us saints and says, this is my best. This is what humanity looks like at its best. Is a life that is imitating him, Jesus, surrendered to him, that spends time with him and fully trusts him like a child in the crux of the father's arms. And remember, Jesus was the first that we know of, well, I think, uh, in the New Testament, that did the hour of power. He woke up early in the morning while it was still dark to go speak with the father in solitude. Sounds familiar to me. That's the hour of power. 
So if Jesus did that, and Jesus is your master, Protestant, Catholic, whatever denomination, you're like, I'm only modeling him. Well, then great. Go model him because he did an hour minimum every day with the Father. And if you're not, that's why you're not knowing the Father. That's why your life is not being transformed the way you see others maybe. This is why you're not putting in the time. See, we want the reward, but without showing up to practice, right? <laughs> we want to play in the, the Super Bowl, but we never showed up for the practices. The quiet time with God in silence. This is the practice. There's no glory in it. It's hard. It hurts. But then you get to play in the game and win right? We need eternity with God. All right, we're speaking with Dr. Peter Howard. This guy's a rock star for Fulton Sheen, man. He's lifting him high, (laughs) but he's not doing it for Fulton Sheen. He's saying, hey, I want to get people pointing back to this guy because this guy is relevant. Mm -hmm. He's a powerhouse. He spoke with God's power, God's authority, and he spoke God's truth in such a simplistic way that crosses all all generations, young, old, doesn't matter. And I want to get people pointing back here. And I think the way we can do that, we got to get the spotlight on him. And to get the spotlight, that looks like beatification and eventually sainthood. So that's what he's all about with this movement. Did I do okay with that, Peter, with your intention there? Absolutely. That's that's the whole point. Is uh, he changed? This is one individual who changed my life radically <clears throat> and kind of by chance, I would say. But of course, we know that's providence. And like even Sheen himself said, he's like, look, there are about two moments in your life where you make a choice where the rest of your life is really going to be hinged upon those decisions. Hmm. Mine was taking something that my sister gave me, a retreat with this man, and giving him a shot. And I did. And that was all God asked for. And my life was never the same. Uh, and that was in the 90s. And, uh, and now I see his importance and relevance now than the, even in those times, even than when he lived. And that's what I, I know people will, will discover this. And it doesn't matter your background. Like I said, you know, 60% of his audience was non-Catholic. And people like people don't even realize, like Martin Sheen took his name because he was inspired by Fulton Sheen. So there's hope for Charlie. <laughs> there's hope for Charlie. God, God, you know, he he has his ways of of getting into things. And as long as Charlie's still taking that name, it's interesting. He's pinned to this man. So who knows what's going on behind the scenes spiritually. But anyway, it just goes to show the this this guy has uh he's got he's got something special for everyone. And I want them to find out what it is. That's so cool, you know. He's such a robot model for me in my own life, you know, when I, I wanted to conquer my fear of public speaking. Like I just looked at him as like the the model. Like I was like, I want to speak like Fulton Sheen, man. That guy's power. Tony Robbins is good. But man, Fulton Sheen, I think, would like just run him around the stage, you know? All right. So we're speaking with uh Dr. Peter Howard here. And Peter, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Uh welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show without the prizes. Are you ready? Ready or not. (laughs) What's your favorite thing about God? Mercy. What's your least favorite thing about God? He doesn't let me stay where I am. (sighs) He's always growth minded. (laughs) I agree. 
I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, professionally or personally? Trust in God to grow something that I feel too much is my power to do, but it's overwhelming and, 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 yeah, and, 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 and thinking he's going to pull this off because I have my own human weaknesses and doubts that come with that. What are you most afraid of? Mm-hmm. Uh, losing my children. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Reading the news. <laughs> did you see any good news? <laughs> uh, sometimes. <laughs> I'm chasing the 1%, Joseph, so I, I tolerate the 99 sewage. Yeah. 99%. What secret fear do you have about people? Secret fear about about people? Yeah. Like how you relate um, to them, they relate to you. Yeah. Um, I guess it would be acceptance, being accepted by them. You know, that there's yeah. always a battle of insecurity of that sometimes. That's a common one. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he has a specific purpose that's just for me. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. What's the new habit you're going to break this year? Sorry, what's the um, new habit you're going to create this year? A new habit I'm going to create. Oh, um, it is actually health-wise. It's eating better. <laughs> it's a, That's a cheesy answer, but I'm actually doing it right it's now. It's real. It's real. What's a bad habit? It's, it's a whole, break? yeah. It's about wholeness, you know, body, mind, and spirit. And I know that that element has a huge impact on my thinking and my prayer life. And so I, I, I want to be more useful, you can say, by being more, uh, more healthier. I agree. I see so many out of shape pastors in the Protestant space and Catholic space. And I'm just like, you're missing the whole person, body, mm-hmm. mind, and spirit. Like you yeah. need to master all three. Like, it makes a huge difference, an enormous difference. And they each pour into each other, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's the Trinity, right? It's that triune. Uh, okay. What, uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, foolish. <laughs> um, what's the word? Uh, ambitious and resolved. A resolved, ambitious fool for God. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you were before you started spending this quiet time with God and learning to trust him completely with your life. Unhinged, insecure, and egotistical. Isn't it amazing how clear it is to identify how we once were before the transformation? You're like working oh, on the third one all the time. You're like, I was a mess. <laughs> and last question. <laughs> if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, your wife, your little babies, and give them only one piece of advice about God and relationship with him. What would you say to them? The one thing that comes to my mind is it was all worth it. What he has for us, 
there's nothing, no sacrifice too great, no act of love too small. It's all worth it. So give it all. And everything he said was true. Amen to that. All right. This is the time of the show where you get to uh, give a homework assignment to my audience, BC Nation. What's the one action they must take this week uh, to grow their faith and trust in God even more? Well, I think that would be simple in light of everything. I would say take an hour, make it intentional, work your way, your day around it. There's one hour this week. And whether if you're Catholic, make it in church. If you are not Catholic, um, then you can make it at home, have some scripture before you, um, but spend some time in that hour and give thanksgiving for all that God has done for you. Call to mind just, just the state of your soul before him because you can hide nothing. And three, know that God wants to do something with you that is beyond your imagination. And he's going to want to reveal these things in these special moments that you spend with him. So that's the one thing, one hour, very intentional. Keep it simple and have something to guide you. It's have some scripture at least. Okay, BC Nation, that's a powerful challenge <laughs> from Dr. Peter here. But the life you want, the better future you've been wanting, that's a big goal. So you got to take a big action. This is it. 60 minutes in silence with God, no distractions. Just you, him, and time. Are you in? Or just go back to your life. Settle. This is your life. It's your life. So that's the invitation God offers to each and every one of us. All right. If you love this show, you love this episode, you love Dr. Peter Howard, then let him know, would you? Go write an honest review. You could do that at Apple Podcasts. You could do that at Stitcher.com. Or you can do that at BrokenCatholic.com. BrokenCatholic.com. And if we like what you write, then we will give you a shout-out. We may give you a shout-out live on the show like I'm about to do for Handle Handle uh, Verso El Alto. Verso oh, Verso El Alto. That's from uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Fersati. That was his uh, his motto, To the Heights. To the Heights. Is this yours? No, it's not mine. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for translating because <laughs> I, I was having trouble there. <laughs> he's, he's a favorite of mine. Verso El Alto. Okay, so that's who, who wrote this. So uh, obviously this man is one of my listeners. Thank you. Uh, he wrote Practical Guidance on Central Subjects for Christians on this podcast. Joseph navigates the interview well and keeps us focused on the heart of the matter of a common struggle for many Catholics, mental prayer. It's refreshing to hear a presentation on the subject that keeps it simple so that approaching mental prayer is not an overwhelming or frustrating experience. Thank you, Versal Alto. I appreciate your five-star review. Uh, BC Nation, go write yours now if you haven't. If you've been listening to this show for like one year, two years, three years, four years, or even over five years that I've been doing this show, and you still haven't wrote your review, I challenge you, stop being selfish. Stop taking and not giving. 
Come on, go write something awesome about Dr. Peter. I don't want anything about me. Stop putting my name in these reviews. Seriously, it's ridiculous. Okay, Dr. Peter, where does BC Nation go to find out more about you if they so choose and, and more about Fulton Sheen and the movement that you're doing here? Yeah, well, to learn more about the movement, and actually we have a, a petition drive that we're uh, just launching right now. It's kind of breaking on this on this podcast right here. Just go to FultonSheenMovement.com. You'll see a petition right there because we want the entire world to be rallying around this to let others in the church know that we need this man. And uh, it's a simple thing that we need to do to, to get his beatification. Um, you could also go to FultonSheen.Institute, which is... Uh, where you can learn more about things, of, uh, a little bit about the life of Sheen and also things that we offer to bring that message of of Fulton Sheen to your community. Um, so awesome. well, I'd say FultonSheenMovement.com. That's the first place to go. Well, Dr. Peter, count me in as your first <laughs> Fulton Sheen groupie. I am in. Let's go. Let's do this. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, Joseph. It's been an honor and a great joy. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things. You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction, be done with the medications, be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we wanna work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.